You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play, wherever you find podcasts. You'll find Locked On Packers the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. You can also find us on the all-new Himalaya podcast app with curated playlists and an ever-changing list curated to your desires. Himalaya is everything you need out of a podcast app. And be sure to check us out Unlocked on NFL, locked on NFL draft, draft dudes, all of our NFL draft content over the next two weeks as we ramp up to the NFL draft. We are already digging deep on those shows. I've been on those shows. We have a mock draft going, and I, I, I broke down a lot of the top players, defensive linemen, offensive linemen, and the Packers picks in those mocks. So if you want to check that out, you have to be listening to those shows to make sure you never miss all of the NFL Draft content that we are providing for you on the Locked On Podcast Network. On today's show, we're going to push forward now, preview the NFL Draft with what I think is a pivotal part of NFL Draft planning, and that is a dissection of team needs. Now, I understand the reticence from fans who have always heard best player available, best player available, best player available to say, well, these are the needs, and so the Packers have to draft accordingly. Take the best player. We don't need to do a whole rehash on my many soliloquies about the best player available being the player who can impact your team the most. That necessarily takes into account team need because if you need a player to help you, He is more likely to have an opportunity to help you and more likely to impact winning on the field. Now, really good players, you still shouldn't pass up because really good players find a way to make your team better. So let's just, I I think it's important to add some perspective from my point of view to yours so you get where I'm coming from on this, that when I want to build a team, when I look at the things that are important about team building, and this is something that I think is is true around the league. There is a hierarchy of positions. There are premium positions and there are non-premium positions. And there are positions that teams are just going to value differently because of their ability to impact games on the field. And then those positions also vary team by team. Because one defensive coordinator is going to be valuing pass rush versus cornerbacks versus defensive linemen versus linebackers differently based on the scheme. If you're someone who loves to blitz, then maybe you value cornerbacks differently than someone who always plays coverage and wants your front four to get home. 
those kinds of value judgments are important when we're assigning need and when we're trying to stack players based on a specific team's desire to use them. How a, a player is going to be used for a team matters for their evaluation. So for me, when I watch players, I am thinking about them strictly in a vacuum. And that's that's tough. Now, I, I think there is always part of me that is colored by the Packers lens. And so inevitably, I am more interested in players that fit what Green Bay likes to do, that fit what Green Bay wants to do. And that could potentially help Green Bay. My eye is sort of always out trying to find players that are going to make the Packers better. So with that in mind, the number one position that you you have to have to be a good team is quarterback. Well, Green Bay has one of those. Do they have more than one? No, but um, I just I don't think it matters. I just really don't think it matters. And because if if Rodgers goes down, you're not going to win the Super Bowl. the The teams are too good in the NFC. You're not going to you know the Eagles got impossibly lucky. They were already, you're talking about late December, all they needed was Nick Foles to win a couple games. Now, you know, he had to win some pretty big games, had to win some late-in-the-year games, had to win some playoff games, and oh, by the way, had to beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. But those kinds of short sample sizes, if if Rodgers goes down in Week 2 and you need 14 games, Nick Foles is not going to win you enough games to, to make you a Super Bowl team. Carson Wentz got them in that position, and Nick Foles finished the deal. Just because he was a good closer doesn't mean he would have been a good 16-game starter. We'll find out if he was in Jacksonville. So Green Bay does not need a quarterback. I know that there are some some fans that wanted to have discussions about should they get Josh Rosen, should they should they make that trade. I'm just I'm not here for that. It doesn't make sense. I don't want to. I don't even want to dignify that discussion right now because I don't want to get bogged down in it. The second most important position is pass rusher. And I, I, I have made the case before, and you know I think for a lot of teams, it is the case that coverage ability, cornerback play in particular, has actually surpassed pass rush. But I think when it comes to individual players and the ability to impact games, I think it is the case that one impact pass rusher is actually more impactful than one impact cornerback because one impact pass rusher, if you have to double team him, that means assuredly, or at least almost assuredly, you have one-on-one blocking for the other players on your defensive front. If you have Darrell Revis, then you have other cornerbacks, and if they're not very good, yeah, you can give safety help, but you can't give safety help to everyone. And you can pass to running backs and you can throw to the tight end. That one cornerback is just not as impactful as that one pass rusher. So from a pass rush standpoint, Green Bay adds two marquee players in free agencies, Adarius and Preston Smith. They're going to start outside. We have had many discussions on this show about where a new pass rusher would potentially fit in and why the value there, unless you're talking about a blue chip player. So, for example, Montez Sweat falls to 12. 
I'm happy to do it because I think he's one of the five best players in the draft. I think he's a blue-chip defensive lineman. I know there are there are people and fans on Packers Twitter and around Packers Nation who think Brian Burns is that dude, that he's a top five, top eight talent, and if he falls to 12, you have to take him. I understand that. I don't agree on Brian Burns, but I agree in premise that if an elite pass rusher falls into your lap, they're just too valuable. You have to take them, but that's what makes Ed Oliver so intriguing at 12. If he falls, I think Ed Oliver is the third best prospect in the draft, and I think he's pretty close to Nick Bosa and Josh Allen. So if he falls to 12, he can immediately come in and start. He is one of the three best defensive linemen on this team. You find a way to make that work. Whatever defensive linemen you have to play to make that work, you make it work. And so... That, I think, is is an interesting situation for Green Bay if Oliver is there, depending on who else is on the board. Now, for me, because I think Ed Oliver, as an interior pass rusher, can be dominating, can just be an absolute monster, and would be an immediate starter, potentially, it's hard for me to argue any other player in this draft who is likely or at least possible to be there. I don't I don't think there's almost any scenario in which Josh Allen or Nick Bosa falls to 12, but I think there is certainly a possibility that Ed Oliver falls to 12. If that happens, it's hard to imagine a player likely in this draft who impacts this team as a starter at a premium position more than Ed Oliver would for Green Bay. And as a result, he has for a while now been my number one want and need for Green Bay as they look at what their game plan could be for the NFL draft. We'll get to the rest of their needs in just a second. All right, so I mentioned that I thought cornerback was right there with pass rusher as a premium position, and there's no question that it is. Given the draft capital that Green Bay has allocated to that position, I just don't think they need to or will view it as a pressing need. I think they'll still draft someone, whether it's with one of their two fourth-round picks, whether it is in, in on day three late somewhere. And who knows, maybe they could surprise us in the second or even the third round, depending on how the board breaks. There is no one and this sort of make things easier, I don't think Greedy Williams is worth a top 15 pick. Frankly, I don't think he's worth the 30th pick. And the cornerbacks that I do like in this draft, I don't know that they're ideal fits for what Green Bay wants or what Green Bay needs. I, I think there are some players that could be interesting for them. I think Justin Lane from Michigan State, 6'2", 192, and can move, would be an interesting player for them at 30. The question is going to be, what do they view a safety like Chauncey Gardner-Johnson or Darnell Savage or Nasir Adderley if they are a nickel cornerback, someone that can play both deep and in the slot? Do they view them in this same lane as a premium position? Because I don't think safety is a premium position. I do think corner is a premium position. But if you are a nickel safety that is going to play some slot corner and is going to do a lot of coverage, and that's going to be your raison d'etre for this team, then 
you are suddenly a premium position player. And so as a result, I think you have to view that nickel safety, someone like Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, someone like Darnell Savage, Nasir Adderley, and I think even Jonathan Abram to a degree. I mean, I like all of these top safeties. Deontay Thompson is not someone that you're going to ask to cover like a corner, but is certainly someone who can cover deep. I think if you're looking at those guys through that lens, you can make the case that you can amplify the need at safety because of their value in coverage. Now, Tremont Williams potentially complicates that. Could he play that role? I think that's, in some ways, an ideal role for him, in which case you can wait maybe till third or fourth or even fifth round to make another selection there. And maybe you even wait until after the draft you sign Trey Boston to play deep, and now you have Tremont Williams who can beat your nickel safety. That is the hidden value of Tremont Williams already having played safety is you can play him deep, you can play him in the slot, you can play him sort of all over the field. And even though he's not a traditional safety, he can help you in ways that traditional safeties who can cover can help you. So are there cornerbacks in this draft that I think Green Bay could be interested in? Yes. But I think more importantly, or I think more pressingly for Green Bay, A safety who can cover provides a lot of the same benefits as a cornerback who can cover, especially in this group when you have Kevin King, Jair Alexander, and Josh Jackson as your top three. Three super talented, super athletic, pedigreed dudes. You add in Tony Brown. You add in Tremont Williams, who this team seems to think is is more suited at corner. I think they're probably right about that. Then they need some sort of safety to buoy that group if he can cover and that's the way that they want to use him I think you can make the case from a need standpoint that it makes sense to view a nickel safety like a cornerback and put him in this tier of needs after that there is another I think discussion between offensive tackle and receiver and depending on the team you're going to view those differently and I think depending on the quarterback you're going to view those differently If you have a great quarterback, they can elevate offensive linemen, they can elevate receivers. If you have a quarterback who needs everything in front of him to be clean, you're going to value an offensive line more than you're going to value receivers. It is team specific, but those are, that's the next tier of players, teams of positions. For me, if you have Aaron Rodgers and you know the injury history and you look at this skill position group it's pretty obvious to me that offensive tackle should be the next position that we're talking about here because Brian Bulaga is not on this roster, at least not under contract beyond this season. They signed Billy Turner. He's a guard. He could play tackle. And maybe in a year, Cole Madison, if he shows something in this training camp and in preseason, he can sign slide in at guard and they don't have a need maybe. Maybe. We don't know. But we're pretty sure right now Jason Spriggs is a backup. And we're pretty sure that Alex Light is just a guy. We haven't really been given many opportunities to see him do much of anything. And beyond that, there's not a lot on the team to say, okay, these are the long-term solutions. Yeah, they have a left tackle, they have a left guard, they have a center, and they have a right tackle right now. We think they have a right guard, and maybe he can play tackle in the future. If someone like Andre Dillard is there at 12, I think Dillard is one of the best players 
in this draft. I think he is, you know, a top 10 talent. If he's there at 12, you take him. Now, I like Jonah Williams a skosh more, but I don't think Green Bay will. Uh, Dillard is more athletic. He fits and checks the boxes in ways that Jonah Williams simply doesn't. It would be surprising to me at 12 if Green Bay went outside their athletic profile range. The same is true for Dalton Reisner, who I also think is one of the 10 best players in this draft, but who I don't think meets the sort of athletic requirements that they look for in a player there. And I also think that they may be looking for someone who's going to make a more immediate impact. If it were me, I'm not worried about if they're going to start in 2019 because, as we've discussed on this show many times, he's going to probably start, whoever they if they take a Dillard or a Reisner, he's going to probably start in 2020 and, and throughout the rest of his rookie contract, if he's good, he'll earn a second deal. That player is incredibly valuable. And I think Green Bay has to be looking at those options. I think they are looking at those options. And they're more than just at 12. You've got guys like Caleb McGarry and Chris Lindstrom at 30. Maybe McGarry is there at 44. There are some tackles in this draft that could appeal to them. We don't know what their plans are with Brian Bulaga, and that complicates things just a little bit. After that, as I mentioned, is receiver. And if you're Green Bay, I think you have to view receiver as a premium position. There's no question Aaron Rodgers could use some more talent. He could use an influx of premium talent. I made this case last week. Someone like Nikhil Harry, someone like Paris Campbell, someone like DK Metcalf can come in and and be a game changer, a field tilter on this team opposite Devontae Adams because if Adams does miss a game, he tweaks an ankle and he's going to be out a week. Where are the playmakers on this offense? Now, I think, again, you can make the case that tight end can fill that same void. So maybe we need to adjust this premium position to be pass catchers. And Matt LaFleur, for his offense, tight end, may just be a premium position, especially because of how they're able to use pass catchers and how they want to use pass catchers. Now, Ben Fennell, I mentioned this last week on the show, made the case, and I think a compelling case, that you don't need a special athletic talent for this offense to make the tight end position work. But if you have one, as we saw with George Kittle in San Francisco, you can build your offense around that guy. So let's say they don't like any of the receivers that are there at 30. Nikhil Harry's off the board. They don't love Kelvin Harmon. They don't love A.J. Brown. They don't love Paris Campbell. But no offense there. Well, that's an easy call. That's a no-brainer. Or one of those guys, those receivers that I just mentioned, falls to 44. You get Paris Campbell at 44, and you're going to let him run mesh all day. Like that, that is a huge boon for your offense. Surrounding Aaron Rodgers with talent is, is of the utmost importance. That's true. But I, I think in this case, we have to take utmost as a descriptor and say it is in the top tier of things that are important. It is not the only thing. It is not the pinnacle, which maybe is, is just, you know, semantically incorrect when we're talking about the definition of those words. But while it is very important that the Packers surround Aaron Rodgers with talent, it is also the case that there are these other needs that they have defensively. So 
anyone who is saying, okay, they cannot take offensive players, they need to keep taking defensive players, I just don't think that's true. I think when you look at the, the premium positions, we just went through the premium positions. Everything after that, off-ball linebacker, guard, safety, running back, those are non-premium positions. And they're non-premium positions because you can find quality players later in the draft at those positions. And if you don't have a great player there, it's not really that big a deal. Now, obviously, I, you know, I think a lot of Packer fans have taken issue with, with me saying that about the safeties. But remember, this team went 15-1 and with Charlie Pepra and M.G. Jennings playing safety for them. So, you know, I, I think that you have to understand it's all about context. It's all about the team that you have. But there are some universal truths about positional value. For Green Bay, you look at pass rush. That's right there, especially if you can get a defensive lineman. So I don't think, you know, someone's someone like Jerry Tillery, whose name has not come up enough at, at pick 30, it would be an unsexy pick, he could come in right away, start at five technique, and just lock that spot down for the next decade. That That is tremendously valuable for you and can give you that, that sort of spot pass rush that you need, that you, that you really need. At the same time, I don't think it's the case that you have to say, okay, well, pass rusher or bust at 12 and 30. Not at all. Because the premium positions, the differentiation between those premium positions, to me, is pretty small. And when you look at Green Bay's roster, they have two pass rushers. So I wouldn't put pass rush at the top of their needs list. I'm saying pass rush is the most important non-quarterback thing on the needs list. So, yes, you can always add another pass rusher. But the more pressing need comes after that in coverage. And that's why I think safety, a safety who can cover, who can play some sort of de facto cornerback by playing in the slot, covering in the slot. So you maybe don't have to play so much nickel if you don't want to. That big nickel that Mike Patton wants to play you got Josh Jones, you got Adrian Amos, and now you add Chauncey Gardner-Johnson or Darnell Savage or Nasir Adderley or Juan Thornhill, and they can cover, they can play some sort of de facto cornerback. That player is incredibly valuable. I think that becomes the top of the priority list along with offensive tackle. Those are the two for me that I'm looking at in terms of needs for this team, true pure needs, those are the those are the biggest ones. And then pass catcher is right after that. Now pass rush again with the Ed Oliver thing. If he's there, because pass rush is so valuable, because he'd be a starter, there's tremendous value in that draft selection. But when we're talking about Packer needs, that coverage bit, especially a safety that can cover. That is number one right there with protecting Aaron Rodgers, an offensive tackle that can pass protect. Long-term solution for Brian Bulaga. I, I am of the, of the mind that they should pay Brian Bulaga a two-year deal with a third year that could exist but, but, but might not that they could get out of. That makes sense. Still draft an offensive tackle. And then a pass catcher. At least one, and they'll probably double up maybe a tight end or you, you draft a tight end and a receiver and go from there. I, I, you know, those are positions, 
premium positions where you're going to get impact early for the Packers. You're going to get impact over the over the rookie contract if you get a good player. And they are spots that this team needs. So it just happens to work out that some of the premier positions are need positions for Green Bay. And therefore, it is the case that if you take those players and you get a good player, they are going to impact your team in a significant way, which makes them potentially the best player on the board, which is, after all, the point of the draft. All right, we'll be back the rest of the week. Remember, Monday through Friday is the new schedule. As we approach the NFL draft, always trying to give you everything you need to be prepared for all the Packer news. And we're going to have Packer news very soon with the NFL draft, less than two weeks away now. So a lot more previewing that we have to do next week. I will walk you through the the players that I think are potential um, players of interest for Green Bay and, and good options at 12, at 30. At 44, at 75, those are the we're going to lead up to the actual draft with those shows to get you ready for the draft. But this week, I want to preview a, a lot more, get some interviews, and and I know I've been I've been trying to get you a lot of information, a lot of content, and then news pops up, and we have new stuff to talk about. So we're going to have some time here after the draft. Everything we're going to let it breathe. We're going to have some time to maybe circle back. We still have to get that Zadarius Smith show in. So a lot to get to in the offseason. I appreciate you following along. If you're new to the show, welcome. Thank you so much for being part of the Locked on Packers fan community. Please remember to subscribe to the show on iTunes, on Spotify, wherever you find podcasts, the Himalaya podcast app. If you haven't already checked out Locked on NFL, Locked on NFL Draft, Draft Dudes, that mock draft that we're doing, my, I'm all over it. I am all over it. My voice, my insight, my analysis. If you're not already sick of my voice, and I don't know how you couldn't be, but if you aren't, go over there and check that out. Check out Locked on Bucks, of course. 1-0 in the first round of the playoffs. Not not really a doubt, you would think, but the other NBA, the other top seeds in the East lost. So, you know, who really knows in the NBA playoffs? I think we do. We knew who was good. We said all year it was the Bucks, but that's that's a different story for a different day. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. You can always leave me a comment there, a message, whatever it is. Post on that page. That is for you. That is a page for fans. So please start conversations, uh, continue conversations, respond to posts. That is a community area for just Locked on Packer fans. So be a part of it and and help that community grow. It is Make a Friend Monday. So go tell a friend about Locked on Packers. Let them know that you are listening, that they should be listening, and then tell me about it. Hit me up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline at 920-341-3775. Send me a text, leave me a voicemail, whatever you want to do to let me know how you are staying locked on Packers.